was uh, one of those uh, regular moments when I realized that I'm short. <laughs> was not a basketball player. I was a wrestler. You have a great voice, brother. Thanks for that reading of the scripture, man. That was that was solid, man. He's he's got a got a got a gift there. As the Jay said, uh, my name is Reed Monahan. I'm up in New Jersey, about an hour away. In fact, I got in my car this morning uh, to drive here, and I was sitting in my car going, I'm so sick of driving my car. But I was like, oh, I only have an hour. This is easy. This past week, um, I returned from California uh, where Pastor Ajay and our wives, uh, Shane and Casey, my wife, we were out at a pastor's retreat. I got in like 2 a.m. Then the Friday after that, closed on the mortgage of a, a daycare center that closed down, and by God's grace and his purposes, providence, and timing gave us that facility. Um, closed on that, preached two times, taught guys all afternoon in a discipleship kind of setting, and then drove 11 hours to see my family. My wife's from North Carolina. Every summer she disappears from New Jersey to go with be with her family. So I drove down there, spent a few days, just drove back, went to a wedding, got in my car this morning and said, oh, it's only an hour. And I get to be with Seven Mile Road, which is such a blessing to us. Uh, Jay did not mention, um, you know, we've been partners since the beginning. The church is coming up together. Uh, but you guys have just recently just invested so much in our church. A uh, wonderful gift to help with us building out a facility uh, that we're going to transform by God's grace for his use and his purposes in Jersey. Uh, we also feel like uh, sister churches in a, a similar way in the sense that we represent the Desi Nation with you. Uh, two of our elders are Indian, one from North India, one from South India, so they all send their greetings as well. <laughs> well, let me pray for us as we jump into a very important subject. Uh, Jay said, hey, what, what is the one thing you would bring to us? I was like, all right, we're going to bring it. So would you pray with me? Father, thank you uh, that you did not leave people in sin and despair, but you entered space, time, and history uh, in your son, Jesus, coming to earth to rescue, uh, to save, that he came with a purpose, he came with a mission, he didn't come to just make us good people, he came to transform our lives, save our souls, give us a kingdom, and give us a mission and purpose to live together here on the earth. Lord, I pray that we might embrace that together today. and what it might mean to seek first a different kingdom uh, than the kingdoms of this earth. Lord, we ask your strength, uh, hope, help me as your servant now. Uh, cast aside anything that would not uh, be pleasing to you. Uh, and your word might be uh, a light for us, a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, that we might walk well in your purposes now uh, in Philadelphia, New Jersey, even to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, when Jay said one thing you could speak about, I've been traveling a lot in my own life thinking about uh, my family. I've got three children. My oldest is going into middle school. She's in puberty, that whole thing. The girl, I'm nervous. You know, I know what uh, teenage boys are like. I was one. Um, And I've been thinking a lot of the purpose of the family. God led me over the spring to uh, teach a series with our church called The Home Team. It's what I call my family, The Home Team. Very important. If you look at the Bible, uh, biblical theology of the family, uh, the world begins with God speaking and creating. There's a community of love and light called the Trinity speaking into existence this world and creating all sorts of creatures. But he creates a unique creature, human beings, male and female, in the image and likeness of God. That means that we are created to function as God's co-rulers on the earth in relationship with each other. 
Our families have a very high purpose. From that union comes children, thank God, hearing them here with us today. Love that. That God puts in the family uh, his, his, his word and his people so that the world might know him. One generation will proclaim your works to the next. The chief engine of discipleship in the kingdom of God is our families. So I ask you a question here today, Seven Mile Road. Is your family important? Yeah. Yeah. Ask a follow-up question. Is it most important? It's a hard question, isn't it? You know, nobody who's resigning from a major uh, corporate job or government position who says, I just want to spend more time with my family. Nobody says, oh, that's a terrible thing. In fact, it's covered to quit anytime you want. I just want to spend more time with my family. You, you can quit your job anytime. It's a hard question to ask, is our family, where does it belong in our hearts? Where does it belong under God? It is central to the purpose and plan of God, but it's not the most important thing. Many times in Christian community, we can make the mistake, and I do mean mistake, we can sin by making the family, my marriage, my children, as the highest thing in our affections. We make it into what the Bible calls an idol. And the family then, when that happens, we turn completely inward. We turn to ourselves only. We can neglect the very purpose for which God made the family. Marriage, as you well know, I was at a wedding yesterday, represents Christ's love for the church. The, the beautiful, sacrificial, self-serving uh, love of God for his people is represented in marriage. But that image is to go throughout the earth and through our families, the mission and message of Jesus is also to go forward, forward. Idolatry is simply, and you guys have been taught well, you have great preachers here. I've been listening to a little bit of your teaching, great teaching here at Seven Mile Road. It's like, oh, I want to go there and sit under a day. You guys well know idolatry is much more than making a little statue. It manifests that way, but it's really a heart movement to replace God as ultimate and most treasurable with something else. And we certainly can do this with our families. Dr. Tim Keller in New York City has done a great job unpacking this idea of what, how do we identify something that's become an idol in our lives. And he said, look, it's something we love to the highest level, we trust to the highest level, and we obey the wishes of this thing. So my question is, is it wrong to love, trust, and obey your family? No, no, it's not. God has commanded us in family relationships to love one another, to trust one another, and certainly for little kids especially, to obey, right? To obey. But to love our families more than the purposes of God and more than God, to love our families to such a high degree that we neglect the purpose of our families, to trust to them, all of our identity and outcome, to obey everything that the family might say. You guys hear me? To the detriment of obeying God is a sin. It's a sin and creeps upon us. So I'm going to say right at the outset, our mission in life is not perfect children, professional degrees for our children. It's not just to have a happy, plastic family life. It's not simply big money and a big college fund so my kid can get a Ph.D. 
That's not our mission in life. In fact, the mission in life is not the family. The family needs the right mission. And that mission comes from God. I want to give you two words today to represent that uh, reality for our families. What, what I want for my home team, what I want for my family is kingdom allegiance. Kingdom allegiance. We just went through 4th of July right here in America. I was down in the south where they 4th of July, right? And the flags are going, man, right? I'm like, I got to go back to Jersey. My wife's like, I love it here, you know, kind of happened. We celebrated something. But you realize that we have citizenship that's beyond citizenship in this nation or this realm? And I'm not meaning if you have dual citizenship. Our king, we have, a, we have an allegiance to a different kingdom. Allegiance simply means loyalty or commitment uh, to be of a subordinate to a superior or to an individual group or cause. When we take our allegiance and put it in something else, we are committing what the Bible calls idolatry. Jesus spoke of it in this way. He said something in life needs to be sought after, and it needs to be first, right? First. You guys like that word first? Anybody with that? I will graduate first in my class. I was a wrestler, uh, competitive athlete, specifically coming through high school, um, I was not a believer in Jesus. I had no religious affiliation in my family. I was a me worshiper, you know what I'm saying? I was trying to be first. I, maybe in seventh grade, I made up a, a phrase that me and my friends said, second sucks and third is for turds. I might have made that up. <laughs> first, preeminent, most important, top of the stand. What is first for us? Jesus gives us a wonderful challenge that we heard in the scripture read today in Luke chapter 12. Now, the interesting thing is that whole chapter, Jesus is giving a series of his kind of core teachings, right? We know from the Gospels, Jesus taught certain things, central Sermon on the Mount, big deal, some of his central teachings. In Luke 12, the context for this exhortation from Jesus is not being afraid of people to be about the purpose and mission of God on the earth, not being about monies to the sense that we worship our things, that's the context. Fear of man, fear of not having enough money. That's the context for what we read here in Luke 12. He said to his disciples, therefore I tell you not to be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on, the clothes we wear. For life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. Jesus takes as an illustration stuff he made. I love that. Hey, look at that bird I made. The ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They're not working all hard every day. They neither have storehouses nor barns, yet God feeds them of how much more value are they than the birds. And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of your life? And he's saying, who, who, which one of you, right? Can you add to your life any longer than God wants it to be? The answer is no. Worrying about it doesn't change that. If then you are not able to do a small thing, such a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies. Look at the flowers, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive in the field today and tomorrow thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. You don't trust us. Trust me, Jesus is saying. And do not seek what you are to eat, what you are to drink, nor be worried, easier said than done. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, 
And your father, this is family language, your father knows you need them. God knows you need food, clothing, water to drink, a place to shelter yourselves and your family. God knows that. Your father knows that you need them. But instead of worrying, instead of freaking out, instead of running around crazy and anxious like the rest of the world does, right? It's the human condition. Instead, seek his kingdom. The, the Gospel of Matthew says, seek first his kingdom, and these things will be added to you as well. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the needy, provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old and with a treasure that in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's so many things that we could say from that one passage today, but I just want to say this. Jesus says to us the best thing for us is to seek God first and have his kingdom preeminent, higher than money, higher than your family. In fact, your family together needs to have this kingdom allegiance so that the orbit of their, own, your, their lives will be aligned with God and not out of whack, scurrying around, worried about everything in the world. Worry, fear, anxiety about everything all the time or the shifting of the heart to seek something else, to seek the kingdom of God. You guys realize this is a phrase used in the Bible repetitively in the Gospels, the kingdom of God. God. So when we talk about kingdom allegiance, we have to say which kingdom. The Father is pleased to give us something, to give us a kingdom. Are we receiving that one, or is our allegiance shifting to other things in the kingdoms of this world? To identify the kingdom of God is very simple. We have to identify the king, right? A kingdom is a, a, a realm of the rule and reign of a sovereign. We have to identify properly the king. We know we are participants in the kingdom of God when the king of that of our lives is Jesus, right? And not simply any Jesus, right? There's all kind of caricatures of Jesus. It's a sad thing many young men only know Jesus through South Park today, who is an idiot caricature of the most beautiful life ever lived. We have to have the right king. It has to be the one that was fully God come to earth, the one who died for our sins, was risen on the third day, who rules and reigns as the sovereign of all history, who is the Messiah, the one chosen by the Father to fulfill the Father's purposes in the world, the one who is coming back, the Savior, the Redeemer, the servant who came, not as the rulers of the world come with their own agendas, but put a towel around his waist and served his people. We have to have that king. And that king is actually our friend. The most high and lofty one came low, came near to be our friend. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay his life down for his friends. And that's what Jesus did. So you need to have him as king, not another substitute, not a Jesus of our imagination, but the Jesus so beautifully revealed in the world of, word of God. Your family, your family needs to know, not that mom and dad are in charge, but that God has called mom and dad to be responsible here. And then all of us want him as king. It's easy to say in a church, have your king be Jesus. You know what's a little more challenging? A kingdom is not simply identified by the king alone. 
it also means that we are about the king's business. Jesus, King Jesus, came to the earth for a purpose. It's not complicated, actually. And he was actually very clear. If you say, what is the mission of this kingdom? It will be manifested by what the subjects of the kingdom actually do. If you want to know the mission, the actual mission of a people, you look at what they actually do. This hit me this summer, or this spring, I was reading a book. Um, it was about people from Venice. You guys ever heard of Venice? You, anybody ever heard of that place? It's in Italy, right? I was like, that's what's that? We're rich people going on vacation. That's the only thing I knew about Venice, you know, like canals and, you know, in, in movies, people are romantic, right? Venice. Venice was actually a worldwide, almost, almost worldwide uh, empire for a thousand years. It was a kingdom. It was a powerful city-state in the ancient world. They had a mission, and you could identify their mission by what they did. Their mission was money. Money. Mo they, would, they would make deals with the Ottoman Empire, the Islamic Empire of the world. They would lie to the Pope and manipulate. Who lies to the Pope, man? What money. Mission. Money. Here's what they did. They did whatever it took to make more money. If we look at our lives as followers of Jesus, if his mission is preeminent, it affects what you do. What is Jesus' mission? He said this, the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. You know who he's talking about there? People. People. The king of the kingdom came to seek out and save people. That means our families aren't just about Christian education, making sure our kids don't do drugs, making sure they go to college. It's also about our families are about seeking and saving the lost. That's Jesus' mission. He also came to love and serve people. Love and serve people. So a family going only inward for a protectionist agenda of its own Christian identity at the uh, expense of following Jesus out on his mission in this world is AWOL. Absent without leave, that's a military term, to the mission of God. King, King Jesus, love him, get to know him, grow deep with him, teach your children about him. But don't neglect doing the things he's called us to do. The king has called us to a mission. So the two ideas I want to contrast this morning. Our kingdom is not perfect life now and a perfect family. Some of us feel so much pressure, right, uh, for our kids to turn out a certain way. Some of you are coming out of families where you felt so much pressure, right? Go study. What, I'm done studying. What do I do now? Study some more. Okay. <laughs> All right. Our, our mission is not a perfect life now and a perfect family. Our kingdom flows from the calling and mission of Jesus on our lives. That means there, and I love this, because anytime you see a good movie uh, where a people are joined together with a mission, there's going to be battles to fight. There will be people to protect, good news to proclaim, and hope to offer to others, and love to be given in Jesus' name. That's so much better than just saying, oh, I hope my kids act right today when my auntie is over, so I'll feel good about myself. 
in this kingdom, living this way, kingdom first. There's no losing. Jesus says this way is secure. Rust, moth, decay, death, defeat have no place. Putting king and kingdom as our first allegiance is winning. So we prepare our families, right, to live as subjects of that kingdom. So your discipleship of your children, when you come to this uh, parenting thing, what does it mean to parent our children? It should include equipping our families to live together on the mission of God, right? So... If our mission is that, what do we do with our kids? Anybody new fa- got kids in here? Raise your hand if you got kids. A lot of kids, right? We got, we got babies flying out all over the place at Jacob's Well. Man, I can't even keep up. I was like, who's due when? What's that one's name? You know, I'm trying to be a good pastor. You know, like, okay, I got to get all the names down, and names are complicated now. <laughs> we, have an, we have a responsibility, right? Do we not, parents, with our children? So. The things that we have to do to prepare our families for a mission, our children even, are not going to be surprising to you, but they have a different purpose. You have to educate your kids, right? You have to educate them for their future. But if you're only thinking about their job there, you're not educating them rightly. You're educating them for the kingdom citizenship that they will have when they place their faith and trust in Christ. Educating our children for the purposes of God. Uh, that includes schooling. Anybody uh, homeschool here, public school here, Christian school here, right? Any of those? You know which one's right, don't you? <laughs> Ask your pastor. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we, educate, we educate not simply for a job, but building people for release. This wonderful metaphor in the Bible of arrows, right? Uh, a father with his, a lot of kids has a, a quiver full of arrows. They're released in the world in battle. They have a purpose to go out in this world as kingdom citizenship. So we build for release. When I identify our children's gifts and encourage them in that, I help them identify how they might serve the kingdom through their vocation and calling. Do you realize God gives kids different gifts? I know you all want your kids to probably all be doctors, but maybe some of them won't be. There's different skills and talents and abilities God gives our children. And we want to develop those, not just for them, but for the kingdom of God. We live in a culture today that that has uh, two extremes when it comes to children. We have a culture today that wants to uh, tell people that their individual worth and value is not the primary thing, but rather their class, their gender, their race. Their, their country of or- origin, what they can produce in a society is more important than their individual worth and value. King Jesus loves our kids, individually wants to save them by his grace and bring them into his purposes. We also have to avoid uh, the, the temptation um, that kids uh, start thinking that they are the sole purpose of everything on the earth. Parents, we can do this. We can make them think that they are the center of the universe, right? We're all singing an R. Kelly song, believing they can fly. Our families and our children, we need to think, yes, you're valuable to God. But you're not the center of the universe. He is. We disciple in that direction. We build children for release. And then kingdom, we build for multiplication. You guys realize right at the beginning of the Bible, when the family, first family is formed, male and female, they're brought together and they're told, be fruitful and what? multiply. Now we know what that means, right? Babies. 
But that principle throughout the Bible is much deeper than just uh, populating the, the children's ministry at Seven Mile Road or Jacob's Well. It means more images of God living for the purposes and ways of God and representing him on the earth. Now, the original first parents tapped out on that calling. They sinned against God, turned aside from God, and neglected their purpose as image of God and sinned. God, through the gospel, through the mission of the church, is bringing people back to himself to be fruitful and multiply images of God to do the mission of God on the earth. This is what our families are for. So one family, you have children, our family gets to multiply mission and influence. The gospel always has and always will go forth in the earth through communities. That's why your family matters so deeply. It's a place, it's a small community where God's glory can be seen. When you sin against each other in marriage, and when you sin against your kids as parents, when you say, I repent of that, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And you hug it out, and you rejoice in the grace and glory of Jesus' forgiveness together. That is a different scene on the earth. It's a different scene than I grew up with. My parents married 28 years, divorced. My dad was an alcoholic, arrogant, uh, agnostic man. You know, my kids sometimes, they ask me, Daddy, um, did your father tell you he loved you all the time? And I'm like, don't ask me these kind of questions. You're, what, are you trying to make me cry? The scene where the gospel is lived out and enacted in a family can be a beautiful testimony to the glory of Jesus Christ, the king of the kingdom. It's not seen everywhere. And when your family come together as a family of family, Seven Mile Road, or, or your GCMs together, the opportunity for the king and the mission of the kingdom to go forth is vast and very important to God. The mission always includes multiplication. That means new babies, adoption, also evangelism. That means people hearing the gospel, right, who are outside of the kingdom, who come to faith in Jesus. And we say, we, you've been buried with him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Jesus described this as birth, spiritual birth. So the fruitful multiplication mandate right in Genesis, when the gospel goes forth, God enlivens a heart and makes someone alive. Fruitful, multiply. It's the work of God. New Christians in baptism. This metaphor of the family living out a mission, the family living out uh, the purposes of God where people become Christians and join the family is all throughout the Bible. I've been studying the book of 1 Thessalonians recently, a book written by a single man speaking family language to a church. He said things like this. 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 through 5. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering for before God our Father, your work of faith, your labor of love, your steadfastness of hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. For we know brothers, this word brothers there refers to siblings in a family. I like to say we, for we know family, loved by God, that he has chosen you. How? Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. This church in this ancient city of Thessalonica was a brand new baby church like our churches. And they'd given themselves to, to a work of faith, a labor of love. Why? Because they had hope in Jesus Christ. 
this little bitty community had already began uh, living out the mission of God. They had become Christians, and they were spreading that good news to the people around them. And the guy who wrote this letter, a guy named Paul, was very clear when he spoke to them in chapter 2. He said, for you know how like a father with his children, it's a family, we exhorted one of each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. That the family invitation from the Father for our families and our lives together is to be brought into his kingdom and to participate in a glory enterprise on the earth where God is glorified when sinners turn to him in repentance and faith and the family grows. The community is called together, including our family, to Jesus. We're called then to one another, living in light of eternity, assured of a great victory. That this calling is what the Bible calls, and you were taught a couple weeks ago, it's called a good fight of faith. Now, I know I'm a little different than some. I, I grew up in a combat sport. I like a good scrap. I do. like to get my nose in there a little bit and you realize that we and our families are not called simply to security and safety and self-serving prosperity. Our families are called together for a fight of faith in the world where we know him and we make him known. Others might give you a hard time for this. You think uh, everyone saw Jesus and what he did and said, yeah, I like that guy. I love these historical revisionists, uh, sometimes with PhDs and New Testament saying, now everybody, Jesus was a, a nice traveling guy who just made everybody smile and he gave lollipops and gave people, they killed him. He so lived for the Father's kingdom that he was such a countercultural person that people flocked to him, worshipped him, and others hated him and killed him. We follow that guy. Do we? I don't want that. I just want a little religion. I want, you know, nice family life, some morality. No, no, no. We have a good fight of faith. We hold for, we hold to the trustworthy word as taught, not just to hold it, but to hold it forth in the world as a bright, shining light in a dark place. Paul said it this way, 1 Timothy 6, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We're called to love the world in his name. You know what, guys? I love my wife. I've been married over 17 years. Got three children, 12, almost 10, and seven. Girl, girl, boy. Um, the boy gets treated very well. <laughs> I love my wife. I love my kids right now. I'm going to be away from them for three more weeks, and I'm already depressed about it. There's a beautiful life that I care about them, and they care about me, and we want to live together. But I want them more than anything to know that, I, that our purpose together isn't just us. I want to stand with the wife I love, my kids with me, for the glory of God, for the good of other people, by extending the hope found in the good news of Jesus Christ. We pray for people in our family by name. 
my 12-year-old daughter said, Daddy, I think I want to be a soccer coach or an apologist. It's like, well, that's because your mom's a soccer coach, and I'm doing, doing a master's in apologetics. But, you know, just the fact that she said that, she's a great mind. She has a great capacity and ability. I believe she could do anything God wants her to do in the world. Whatever it is, doctor, pharmacist, lawyer, apologist, the kingdom of God, the glory of God, seeking to save the lost, loving to serve the nations. I want that to be her overarching purpose. I want that for you. I want that for me. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that it's your good pleasure to give us the kingdom, that we have a great, great king who's loved us beyond measure. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of him, Jesus, to whom we come now in communion, through the knowledge of him who called us for his own glory, for his own purposes. Lord, you didn't call us uh, to yourself simply to be comfortable, safe, people but lord there's some there's a freedom that's greater than the freedom that we celebrate here in america on the fourth of july there's a freedom from sin a freedom from death a freedom from judgment all guilt all the stain of sin wiped away lord we know where your spirit is there is true liberty there is true freedom that jesus came as a revolutionary into this world with a different reality than the world around us. Lord, uh, keep us from idolatry of worshiping our families, worshiping money, worshiping our comfort. And Lord, let us be people like Jesus, sacrificial servants of the world. And Lord, let this church, let our, our churches be that kind of community where we love and serve one another because it's a wonderful place. It's a little like heaven when sacrificial servants love and serve one another. But Lord, let it not be simply inward in our lives, but let us have courage to hold forth the gospel to those who are perishing. Lord, you saw fit, either through our family or a friend, to bring the gospel to us. Lord, I pray you would use us in our time and space. Use Seven Mile Road greatly for your purposes. Use these people in each other's lives, but Lord, use them as a family for your mission in this world that you might seek and save the lost through them. The light would shine greatly here. Lord, let us walk with you the whole seven miles, understanding that you are God and King and Savior, and that you, your calling, that we want to be a good soldier and faithful to Jesus Christ, our King. In his name we pray. Amen.